We apologize for this brief interruption in the show. As many of you likely know, the Higher Standard Podcast is officially sponsored by Transcend Company. Transcend has been my longtime provider for both testosterone and peptide therapies, but they offer so much more. Whether you're interested in health, wellness, or longevity, it all begins with you getting your blood work done. A lab draw will help you get the numbers and establish your baseline. You can go to transcendcompany.com slash THSP. That's transcendcompany.com slash THSP. Or you can click the link in the show notes on any streaming platform and on YouTube. Fill out your information and one of the representatives will contact you to get your journey started today. Now back to the show. You should reach out to him. Be a perfect guest for the show. You think he would ignore me or tell me to fuck off? (laughs) It would be a nice transition for our future careers. Remember that one time when I was at the company and you were, you know, Interactive Corp and you were the CFO and we chatted for like two minutes. You can come on my podcast now that you're the CEO of Uber. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't do interviews at all either. Yeah. uh, He doesn't really do a whole lot. First appearance. Let's go. Yeah. Well, um, this is a very foreign feeling for me tonight. I don't, I don't, um, I've never done something like this before. No, it's not that. I, I can I can actually do this part of it mm. with no problem. It's it's having a room in the studio. <laughs> oh, it just, just feels very awkward. Jeez. It's like it's like I, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I come into the office once a week, take three weeks off, you know? Yeah, when's your next PTO, by the way? Next week. Mm. <laughs> both, That's okay, uh, man. Both Monday, a lot of, both Monday and Thursday. A lot of podcasts take the rest of the second half of the year off. I know I've been doing some due diligence. About That's this. like what I, am I saying? Last week of the year off. Yeah, Jesus. I know, you can't figure out which yeah. one it is. But uh, I was um, doing some due diligence. You know, listening to other podcasts. Like Jamie doesn't do this to Rogan. <laughs> Jamie doesn't do this to Rogan. He's there all the time. They don't record if Jamie ain't there. Yeah, but I'm sure they work around Jamie's schedule too. Mm. It's not just Rogan's schedule. Well, I guess we could put out one show a month. <laughs> I mean, if that's Rogan, does that fit in your schedule? I don't want to be, you know, depends on the date. Yeah, I, I don't want to be, uh, you know, Step limiting for your. I mean, he's got the travel <laughs> schedule and you know all that. On the PJs, that's right. Yeah, where where are you going next week? Uh, Sacramento. Oh, can't believe you didn't call it Sacktown. I know, no colloquialisms. Yeah, I guess now he's international. It's, it's beneath him. <laughs> yeah, you don't openly <laughs> disclose you're going to Sacktown. Yeah, yeah, going to the capital, bro. Capital of California. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Amalfi Coast we also or teach, something. We also do geography here. Yeah. On the higher standard. <laughs> is that on the coastline of California? I don't know exactly where it is. <laughs> well, welcome back to the number one geography, I mean, financial literacy show in the world. Sitting next to me, my partner in time, the one and only Said Omar with the fire shoes tonight. The best of the best. Thank you, Travis sir. Travis Scott's coming in hot. Sitting next to me on my left is Chris Nahibi, or also known as Ike. Yeah, the N on my Nike hat fell off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I respect it though. I rock, hey man. Hey, the fact that the fact is number one, you know what brand it is when you're looking at it. It could have said Ick, and you still would have known it was Nike. <laughs> I, I see. I know, I've known you long enough to know that that's a real Nike hat, and the N fell off. You didn't buy just a a no, knockoff. I don't, I don't buy any bootleg hats. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, and. Uh, Sitting behind the ones and twos. Making a special guest appearance tonight, DJ Rune. <laughs> Kudos to you, Chris. I traveled twice last week to San Francisco. Tuesday morning, flew out, came back same night, and then same thing on Thursday. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. Flying out to Arizona, Texas, uh, East Coast, what, like Florida often, right? Yeah. 
Bro, I don't know how you do it. And then dragging my ass in the studio afterward, too. Yep. I, I don't know how you guys do it. Taxing, I, I was always it? I was always like um jealous. I, I felt like FOMO for people that travel. No. Mm-hmm. no. <laughs> not at all. No, maybe That's when you're right. younger, not anymore, but not when you got a family. My yeah. wife, um my wife, I think when she when she thinks about me traveling for work, she thinks about when we used to travel like ourselves to go places. Yes. And people rarely put put the two and two together. Like when you travel for work, you try not to travel a whole lot. Like, you know, trying to be gone like an extra day or extra night because you got kids, you know, you got family. So you try to come back. It's not uncommon for me to do like a full turnaround on one day, right? Go to Vegas, come back same day. I'll go to Northern California, come back same day. You know, sometimes I'll go to Texas, come back the next morning. Like I'm, I'm constantly moving. And if I come back the next morning, I'm in the office. When I'm done with the office, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly moving around like this recording schedule. So it's taxing, man. And when I get home, you know, as a dad, when you got home from your trip, it's not like you're going to sit on the couch and be like, ah. Yeah, let me open this cold beverage. Yeah, yeah, it's not that. Well, Also, when you're traveling for work, it's not the same as traveling for, like, leisure, right? It's like you're, you can't mentally check out the way the same way you can, right? Yeah, I'm usually answering emails, doing some kind of work while I'm flying, while I'm in the air. Yeah, people people mad that you're not responsive enough, and you're just like, come on, man. Like, I'm on a plane. <laughs> yeah, Wi-Fi's down. Southwest Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi is always trash. Mm. Make you pay $8 for that shit. You pay too, don't you? Speaking of which, they got a new policy, man. You hear about this policy? No. They're allowing you, if you are a plus-size person, to have the seat next to you for free, but they won't guarantee you a seat. It's if available. So, first of all, how many Southwest flights you've been on where there's an available second seat? Right. They make sure they delay that flight as long as they can to fill it up. Right. Second of all, their recommendation so that doesn't happen to you is buy two seats Mm. and then get a refund for your second. That's so. That's a little gimmicky, bro. What? Can you imagine this shit? They're hey, pi- man, they're uh, pitching this idea themselves. That, that was their words. That was their choice of words. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what does plus size mean? Does that mean tall? Does that mean only large? Does that mean only wide? How wide? Yeah. How do you gauge that? I think what they mean is if you feel uncomfortable with somebody sitting next to you. Okay, so in theory, based on what they just said, mm-hmm. their rules. I don't feel comfortable traveling with somebody rubbing my thighs the whole flight. I mean, I can buy two seats, sit in the front row, and everybody who walks by can be like, nah, bitch, I bought two. That's mine, too. <laughs> that that just sounds like a dick But move. wait, at what point do you get to cancel? Don't you have, like, cancel, like, right before the flight? I, I mean, if it, you can't cancel after the flight. Well, and then the other part about it is, is, like, how many airline, how many times, can, you can't, you get to put in the second passenger's name. Right. <laughs> so how does that work? Yeah, exactly. Put I don't know. my own name again? Yeah. I got to book two seats in my name? V2? Yeah. Yeah, that don't. That don't. Yeah. Yeah, shame on you, Southwest. I see this dirty-ass game you're playing. Yeah, they're in, I'm sorry, we can't shit. refund you. It's outside the window. And now yeah. you paid for two seats. Yeah. Motherfuckers. Yeah, they know. They know what they're doing. Yeah, it's fucking dirty. We got something new for the listeners tonight. What we got, Chris? I was being sarcastic. You really want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's teed up, ready to go. I know, and I got a throat loss in gin, too, because I was coughing before the show. Uh, I promise I'm going to stop sucking on it at some point. Really? Okay. <laughs> so a lot of people have been hitting us up in the direct messages on social media in general saying, hey, what do you think about Patrick Bet David's reverse market crash video? And to be honest, Sai and I had no, no idea the fuck most people were talking about. We didn't have enough time to dive into this because we were doing our own research for the show on top of our nine-to-fives. Yeah, and, you know, obviously having families and everything. So we thought... What better way 
to give you our take on it, then watching it real time on the show with you. It's only 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And we'll break down our thoughts as he talks about it. Uncensored, first full-time like shot at it. Well, this is going to be dangerous for you and I. I have a feeling no. Patrick Ben David will not be a guest on the show after this episode. <laughs> no, no. I look, I agree with a lot of what he has to say. I can't imagine he's gonna be that far off script for me to be like, you son of a bitch, Patrick. No, 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 but I'm just afraid of what we're capable of saying. Oh, it's gonna be dirty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There'll I mean, be a lot of dirty birdies. Yeah, he's not he's not even gonna know that a dick joke's lying in here <laughs> yeah. somewhere. But it's gonna happen. You know, it's not my fault. It is what it is. Is what it's before we even begin. He's got a vault beverage drink sitting next to him. Oh, let's, is, let's break this down. Is for that a second. his? I mean, Patrick Bitt David, minority owner of the Yankees. Now that means he's balling out of control. Get yourself some real plants, dog. What are we doing here? Real plants take uh, energy and time. It's a set. He's on a set, right? Come on, he's got somebody managing this. Come on wow. now, Patrick Bitt David. A lot of room pulling up the wiki. If you don't know PBD, come on. I he's mean, got a Wikipedia guy, page. Yeah, look. Yes, I sir. Guess. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought, what is he famous for other than being a YouTuber? Most YouTubers don't have... Um... Mm, he's an Iranian-born American entrepreneur. You know, I, I, so let me ask you a question. I know this is going to sound like I'm a hater. Um, most people who are like social media celebrities don't really have a, a Wikipedia page. I'm actually kind of kind of impressed. Bro, this is the best right here. You went to Santa Monica College as a dropout? <laughs> Baller. Bro, who gives a fuck? Santa Monica College. I he, some... Here's the part that blows me away about Patrick McDavid. To this day, I'm still stunned. He's only 45. And looks better than you. Damn. Better than me, too. I sat I sat for that. Yeah. I, I just did that to myself. Yeah. Stupid. I mean, you're not denying why, it. Why would I even you're do not that? De- you know why, Oh, though, you right? served in the military. Thank you, know. you for your service, Patrick. Shit. Oh, you didn't know that? I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Um, not only, you know why he looks better than you, too, right? Cold plunges every day. He does? Yeah. Really? Really. Well, I aim to be one of those scumbags, too. <laughs> Whenever Pl- Plunge sponsors the show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but if they sponsor the show, you're going to have to buy a house. And at that point, we have a lot of things to address. I am not buying a house. <laughs> yeah, there you, you can go. give up the day where you can take shots back this way. It's not going to happen. It's okay? going to happen. If anything, I'll put it in the ruins house and just go over there every morning and do it nude. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine? Oh, I'm not imagining. Yeah. It's facts. Yeah, it's gonna happen. <laughs> and he does have a key. Yeah, I do. Huh? No, there you go. I thought it was only the back door, but okay. Yeah. Um, shall we jump in? That was a euphemism. Go ahead. Yeah, this was a euphemism. I'm glad you recognize it. He looks so serious already. Yeah, I feel like this is gonna no be no intro. He just this goes right like into a, it. Based on the amount of comments that we got on this, I feel like this is about to be a very serious clip. By Patrick Bedford. Are you at the beginning? Yeah, you're at zero. There's no intro, no sexy beginning. He just dives right into it. God damn, we provide a lot more valuetainment than valuetainment does on our shit. <laughs> Let's go. And if there's ads, we apologize. We're going to try to yeah, make we're, sure. Yeah, we'll try to edit them out. Yeah, we'll try to get it out. Of the Probably way. won't. Do you know what's worse than a market crash? A reverse market crash. A concept I've been talking about on the podcast. So what is a reverse market crash? That's when all of a sudden the market just balloons up. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened? Are you trying to hold it? And you see the rich get richer and the poor get poor. Now you may say, Pat, how is that even possible? I want you to look at this chart from Pew Research. Everybody that's a politician that becomes a governor or Congress or Senate, they all want to claim, we got to help the middle class. We got to help middle income but look what this data is telling us from pew research pause. according to the pause oh shit okay we're getting political right out the gate okay <laughs> so i can already tell where he's going with this he's, he's got a uh, chart here a share of, of u.s aggregate wealth 
Mm-hmm. He's not wrong. We've addressed this many times on the show. I think he's listening to our show, personally. <laughs> I mean, how long have we been saying this? Middle class is going to continue to shrink, and the wealthier are just going to continue to get wealthy. So what he's talking about is exactly what we've been concerned about for a long period of time, where the, and we talk, talked about it on the show where we did a, a pretty in-depth breakdown of the 1% of the country controlling more wealth than the entire middle class. So that 1% of the entire population controls more than 52% of the population, which makes up the middle class. Yes. And that's true. And this is a huge, if real estate values go up next year, you can, this is pretty much a foregone conclusion that the wealthier will get wealth, the wealthy will get wealthier. And that's because the wealthy also own 50% of the private companies in this country. And they own like, you know, 80 something percent of the stock. Mm-hmm. So between the two of those in and of itself, if the market goes up, they get wealthier. And because the middle class cannot afford and generally does not have as much of these things, they don't get wealthier. It's not rocket science. It's right. simple. Yep, exactly. Uh, and yet he went right into the politi- politician thing. This is my problem with Patrick Bet David. He's got a heavy political slant these days. Does he really? Heavy political slant. Not to say that it's not misinformed. It's just, I think sometimes his passion for the political side of things can detract from the financial or the business advice on some level. They are intertwined. I get it. They're they're intertwined, and I think he fully understands that politics plays a role in everything. Yeah, but it comes off a little conspiracy theorist sometimes when you start talking about. So he led into this with, we all know politicians. We all Let's not label all politicians, chief. Okay. 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 Let's, let's just go with the, hey, when you've got a group of people that, okay, so I can, I can go off on a tangent here. I believe there's two really, really big concerning groups from a political perspective for this country's future well-being. Number one, outdated older politicians who do not see eye to eye with the majority of American population anymore. Mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell is fucking old, man. Yeah. Okay. A lot of these politicians are fucking old. Yep. Our president is fucking old. And that's not a knock on them. Good for you. You got a lot of experience. I respect that. But to think that you're representative of the majority of the population in this country would be a lie. Yeah, I agree. Okay, problem number one. Problem number two is I truly and honestly believe that foreign countries like Russia, like China, have found a way to play the long game politically with the United States and weaponize something against us that people don't see. How so? Woke culture on college campuses. Yeah. A lot of the way that people think mm-hmm. on college campuses, I truly believe that these foreign countries as actors are literally placing people to sponsor this divide politically in early college campuses. These college kids grow up to be middle class or lower, you know, lower income, if not upper class and they start dividing the classes too because their ideology is so divided i know that too can also come off as a little conspiratorial but i fully believe it too i mean just look at the way tiktok is ran the way it's ran here versus the way it's ran in china yeah that's well documented that you know there's restrictions in place over there to make sure that their kids don't get brainwashed the same way you know the younger generation in this country you know consume that and we want freedom of access to all these things so our internet at least to my knowledge, is not restricted like it is in other countries. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you straight up right now, without a question of a doubt, I believe that other countries are weaponizing things. And I'll use in rune. I don't want you to jump off the fucking deep end now, okay? Try to refrain. I know your nipples going to get hard. As soon as I go down this path, Uh-oh. please be cautious. Very passionate. I believe the entire Israel-Palestinian conflict mm-hmm. has been used to divide college campuses now. 
That's been going on for a long time, man. It has been. And well, the crazy thing to me is truly no side in this equation is right. Both sides are in really fucked up things. Mm-hmm. But then it layers in a lot of the rhetoric that came before it, and it's now weapon. The eat the rich, the tax the rich, the and they go, oh, okay, well, Jewish people, rich. Yeah. And then people are supporting one side or the other based on these underlying discriminatory thoughts they had about other things that have now rolled up mm-hmm. into this, like, rich versus poor, wealthy versus, you know, not wealthy haves and the have-nots. And it's like, dude, like, people are, are, are so divided over so many things now. And it's like, look, dude, killing people bad. Yeah. Both sides are doing that shit. Yeah. Okay? Right. So I, I think a lot of this stuff is going to come up and boil to a head. So, yeah, I, I think what Patrick David started talking about already resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Shall we continue? Let's go. Arun, by the way, good job. Like staying quiet? Yeah, I, I thought for sure you were going <laughs> to jump in. No, I agree with everything you said. Oh, wow. That's even more weird. PTO's been good to him. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's feeling relaxed. Coming back rested and shit. Yeah. This data, if you look at the green at the top, that's upper income aggregate wealth in the U.S., Yellow is middle America, middle income, and the light green is lower income. To the left, the wealth in America, only 60% of it was with upper income back in 1983, 32 was with middle, and seven was with lower. Fast forward to 2016, it's even worse today. It went from 60% of the wealth to 79%. Middle income went from 32% of the wealth down to 17, that's a drop of nearly 50%, and lower income went from 7% to four, that's a drop off of 40 percent so you may be asking where are we going with this this is the point every time we're printing money to assume and say these politicians we're helping the low and middle income family you give the money guess what they don't know how to do they don't know how to save they're experts at spending the government mm-hmm. doesn't teach them how to save they just give them the money and they know they're going to spend right, them stop right there. okay so yes i don't know why you use 2016 data there's plenty of data from 2023 that we've highlighted on this show, which talks about how that divide has continued to grow, like he's suggesting. And it is a fucking problem. And I don't think he's mixing the ideology that the government doesn't teach people to save. Well, okay, that's kind of bullshit. That, that, no no disrespect, Patrick, you're a little fucking detached, okay? (laughs) Okay. The little thing called inflation. Mm -hmm. Went up to 9.1, now down to 3.1. Guess what? That means price is still going up 3.1%. Right. Okay? If people are running out of money because they're spending, sure. Consumer discretionary spending pulling back, sure. People had some money for a while and they were to buy things. There's not a lot of free cash flow left for most of these people. Right, I know, exactly. I mean, it's been tough for them all along, right? And even with inflation now coming down, remember, it's only come down because the Fed has raised interest rates, right? Mm-hmm. Now, these people that haven't been able to manage their debts well are still sitting on all-time high debts, and their their debt payments on those are now higher than they've ever been before, too. Yeah. Well, and then why why... Why have we stuck with the same stupid-ass educational system for high schools? If you're in high school, you should have a credit management class, a financial literacy class, mm. and it should be broken up into several classes. Credit card management, one class, an entire semester, okay? All you talk about is how to manage your credit cards. Right. Okay? How to manage, how to get a loan, how to get a mortgage, what's your FICO score, all that shit. I know, because usually in any type of finance class, the way that gets broken down is just don't spend more more than you make. Yeah, like, here's an Excel sheet, kids. Here's your in, inflow. Here's your outflow. Yeah. And as long as the inflow is more than your outflow, you're rich. <laughs> yeah. Or here, let's just pick stocks and you can kind of like fake invest. And I'm right. like, get the fuck out of here. Right. You should have an entire class on how to buy a home. Yeah. 
You should have an entire class. Like what to expect throughout how, the process. Yeah. On how to start a company. Yeah. How businesses are ran. Yeah. The what tax, a board of directors are. The tax benefits to an LLC versus a limited partnership, right? You should have an entire class on taxes. Mm -hmm. And yet you're making kids take zoology? Like I remember, yeah, like I remember uh, my cousin, uh, Weiss, right? Yeah. He's a doctor. When he wanted to start his own company as a doctor, he went to medical school. Right mm -hmm. and now, now as he's starting his own company, he's like, "Wait a minute, I gotta do I open a corporation? Like, yeah. how do how do?" And it's like for someone like that, like this is all new territory. So now he's got to go, you know, funnel some money out to some CPA to give him some, you know, best case answer. And he's just like, "I guess I gotta trust you." Cool, he could use my law firm. That's fine. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's a plug. It's a plug. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need you to sponsor the show now for that. Can't use what airtime for this shit. Come on. It's a pro bono firm. Oh. You taking away money from poor people? That's what you're doing? <laughs> oh, you poor? You're, huh? Now, the money doesn't come to me, bro. Oh, okay. I make zero money at that fucking firm. <laughs> okay, let's go. You heard from here, everybody. Come over to Chris's. I don't need more clients. Thank you. <laughs> That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, I could have charged him, use the help of family yeah. that actually needs That's it. That's Chris at higherstandardpodcast.com. That's not my email. Yeah. Don't email that email. Patrick, what else you got to say about this chief? While you slap, he's doing a lot of hand slapping this video. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of hand gestures with yeah. these guys. You noticing he's that? Little animated. Yeah, Obama. Should we do hands. more of that on the show? Obama hands. Listen, people. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Ruins not even paying attention anymore. Yeah. They spend it. What do they buy? They buy a product. Somebody owes them. They owe this. They buy a camera. They buy a drink. It goes to the companies. So you give the money to the poor, knowing the money is really not being given to the poor. It's going to float to the top, which is who the rich. That's how the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poor. And these policies are not going to stop. By the way, the other day, Jerome Powell says he's not raising the rates. You know what happened to the S&P 500? Boom, 5% within a week. So what if mm. all of a sudden Powell in the next few months, we're lowering the rates. We're lowering oh, the rates. Stop you right there. See what if all of a sudden? Mm. No, he did. Yeah, he actually did. So this video came out a month ago. Okay. Right? So, yeah. he, so he, he did get out in front of this a little bit right but to his point the S&P 500 year to date what have we been dealing with with the last year right the Fed's been raising rates right signaling they're trying to you know slow down the economy what happened S&P 500 still up 23% year to date you got the Dow Jones up 12.5% you got the NASDAQ up almost 43% it's like god damn man that's as of today by the way I had that I had that data ready Okay. It's very off-putting. For something else. I feel, oh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. That's convenient. No, I swear. I had something else entirely By the way, you know how we, I can tell we're assholes? Why is that? We, we plan, like, oh, this is 15 minutes. We'll get through this and have plenty of time to talk about it. We're a minute and 49 seconds in. <laughs> and we got, we're 22 minutes into the show. Because <laughs> now the one of us is shut the fuck up. <laughs> let the man speak. Yeah, let him speak. Go ahead, Patrick. Go ahead and make some more hand gestures. SMP and Dow just go boom, boom. Boom, 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 which is called a reverse market crash. Something the wealthy would want, not something you would want for low and middle America. We're going to talk about that today. Okay, so if you get value out of this video, give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Let's get right into it. I'm going to give you a few examples of what a reverse market crash could look like. Case studies, actual reality of what happened. One is Germany, one is Zimbabwe, one is Iran, one is Argentina, one is Turkey, and maybe a couple other ones. But let's start off with Germany. So back in the days, Pause. in get Yeah, let him go. Zimbabwe? <laughs> what are we doing? Iran? I feel like those aren't apples to apples. I'll give you Germany, bro, but goddamn. Okay. This, Look, it, it's, it's economics, fine. 
You've had similar experiences in the United States historically. I don't mm -hmm. think you need to go to a foreign country. But you know what, Patrick? He may surprise me. Right. He may surprise me. He may surprise you. I mean, to his, to his point, so I had this written down for something entirely different. But what kind of scares you, right, is this. So the 10-year went up to, it was at like damn near 5%, mm -hmm. right, for not, not too long ago. It was over 5%. It was over 5%, yeah. right? So remember, when that goes up, people now start to question whether they should keep their money invested in the market or should we just try to just have my money invested in, in something like the 10-year where I get guaranteed 5% back, right? Mm -hmm. It's like so now people start to question that. But now when that happened, okay, there's a, there was approximately $5.7 trillion sitting in money market accounts, okay? Yep. People waiting to get back and invest into the, into the market. Now, imagine when the rates start to come down mm -hmm. and people now take that $5.7 maybe not all of it, but a good portion of it, and put it back into the market when, in a time when you're having an earnings recession, right? It could prop the market back up again. That's the scary part. And I think that's what he might be alluding to. So I've talked to several reporters about this in recent days because they're, they're already kind of sensing it. Mm. So they're talking to people in the finance space about, you know, hey, where does the money go? Yeah. Because people are going, okay, the treasuries are dropping. So now you have the 10-year below 4%. People are going, okay, well, where do you put your money? Well, CDs right now, they're, they're capped out. This is the highest CD rate you're going to get. Okay. Okay. So you go into a CD now, for 12 months. That might delay some of that money going to the market because you can get a guaranteed zero risk 5.4%, 5. 5.4%, 5. whatever percent. Yeah. Yes. Not a bad deal. But your money's locked in there for X amount of time. Your money's locked in. Your high-yield savings account will stay high, presumably, until there's a Fed funds rate cut, and then which time, at which time rates will drop, and your rate will go down with that. And, and the banks don't have to tell you that they're going to drop it, right? No, it's you'll, kind get it of your, already you'll see it on your statement. You'll be like, what in the fuck? I, what the, I, was just I thought this was fun with that, but... <laughs> It's going to be that, right? Yeah. And then as long as you're, they're not at risk of your money going someplace else for a higher interest rate mm -hmm. and it's relatively stable in the market, this is happening. And you're already seeing this cut now because here's what banks are doing. Okay, we're going to drop our long-term CD rates now because we know that there's going to be rate cuts in the future. Yes. Right? So why would we keep them high now and lock into 5.4% when I could lock you into like 5.25% for a year and get ahead of that first rate cut? So explain that to people. So if right now the Fed funds rate is at 5.25 to 5.5%, right? Right. And the savings savings account rates are, you know, up up there too. When the Fed cuts rates, why would the savings uh, rates come down as well? So the Fed funds rate is the cost for banks to borrow. Right. Right. So if I'm a bank and I say, okay, my, my f cost of funds to borrow is 5.25%. Yes. It costs me the same amount to give you 5.25% and get rates in than it does to borrow that money. Right. Right. So for me, I'm going to go up to about that rate, if not a little higher, to try to get deposits in the door. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you want to keep your money for longer, I'm willing to go higher than that. Okay. And sometimes bank pressure will push that up higher like we've seen recently. But the second it's cheaper to borrow, if it's cheaper to borrow, let's say the Fed fund, they cut the Fed funds rate to 5%, right? Right. And it's cheaper for me to borrow. I'm going to borrow that money and offer you that price or less yes. because I can borrow for that price. And they have to maintain their profit margins. Right. And every every step down we go in deposit pricing gives me a wider profit margin because loan rates are going to stay higher for longer. Right. And another reason why you know the Fed likes to take their time before they do decide to make a cut like that because they can't create all that instability in the market where, oh, we're cutting rates. Oh, no way. We got to take it back up again. Oh, no. That's not what they want to do. So I didn't realize what the vernacular that he was using in this was reverse market crash was referring to this phenomenon. But it's kind of funny. Now I got people have been asking about us about it because we've actually been talking about this in the show mm. without recognizing that this is 
that that's the vernacular he was using to describe it. Got know? it. Yeah. All right. Kick it off, brother. 1914, 1913 or so. If you wanted to buy a dollar and convert your currency from Germany marks to a dollar, you needed four marks. Again, this is 1914. So, hey, here's four marks. Here's one dollar. You with me so far? Nine years later, in 1923, you know how much it took to just get one U.S. dollar? How many marks? One trillion marks. Did, did you hear what I just said? It took one trillion marks to get one dollar, and it only happened in nine years. Now, why? Let me explain. After losing World War I, the Treaty of Versailles forced Germany $33 billion in reparations. So during this time, Germany lost a significant amount of territory where it was manufacturing goods. They were forced to print money to meet the reparation demands. This simultaneously added money to and removed goods from the economy. Catastrophic. By 1922, price had risen by nearly 700%, causing hyperinflation. The government had to print million mark notes, then billion mark notes. And by the way, you ever hear the saying a wheelbarrow full of money couldn't even buy a newspaper? This is kind of where it comes from. Okay, because this pause. Pause it, yeah. Yeah, never heard the saying before, but let's just skip that that for a second. <laughs> Nobody uh, talks to me yeah, like that. Yeah, it's, what'd you say to me, bitch? Uh, let's be clear here, okay? If you print more money, okay, you add more of something to the system, it's just supply and demand, right? Mm -hmm. The more there, the less demand. Dollars are no different. Yeah. The more you print, the less valuable they are. Right. If everybody's got $100,000 because you printed money, $100,000 is not worth that much. Right. And this is the big reason why, if if you were ever wondering why people were so concerned with all the stimulus packages, because even though people needed it. Oh, yeah. Stimmies. Right. This is the reason why people were so concerned with it, because I think right now around 40% of all the money circulating mm -hmm. has been printed in the last like three years. So think that through. The, fucking think that, think through, that through for through. a second, dude. But here's the crazy part. If you're the politicians yeah, and you're in the federal government and, or you're, I don't know, just throw out a wild name here, Jerome Powell, okay? <laughs> From the hood. And you're sitting in your office going like, fuck, they are printing a lot of money. That's inflationary, bitch. Yeah. What do you think was going to happen? Like, did you? That's like, that's number, that's known. Okay. Yeah. That's like me walking into a strip club and going, you know what? Do they have girls here? Yeah. Is that what this is about? Yeah. How did they really think this was going to play out? There man? was no other way. And for right. them to go like, oh shit, inflation's 9.1%. You just pumped a mm. shit ton of money into the economy. And we would, and we did a breakdown not too long ago. A, a great portion of that went to corporations too. It wasn't all like people were coming home with like the four, majority of yeah. it went to corporations, right? So it's like, come on, man. Because everybody who had a CFO or somebody who was in, who had a fiduciary responsibility to the corporation said, okay, look, they're giving away free money. We yeah. have we have an obligation to our shareholders to take free money, even though we don't need it, because it'll better position us down the road. It wasn't a moral or ethical thing. There's no morals and ethics in companies. It's not a person. Mm. They're going to do the best thing for the shareholder. And the best thing for the shareholder was to take free money. Because mm -hmm. guess what? If we don't have to pay it back and the government's giving it to us and I don't take it, that means you could sue me for not honoring my duty as a fiduciary to this company and putting you in the best possible financial position. And even if they, even on some of the the like PPP loans where they do or technically have to like pay it back, right? It's like the amortization period is wild. Like, why wouldn't you? The interest on it, it was so low. The programs were set up in such a way that you would be a complete fucking asshole not to take the money. And I didn't take the money. I'm not saying that, that, that you know, but I'm just saying. Right. It, there was a very, very strong, valid argument from a lot of financial professionals that you have an obligation to take this money. Yeah. It's like, it's like no different than they put a pause 
on your student loan payments. Now, yes, it's a smart choice to continue to pay your student loan payments because your principal yeah. goes down and you're not racking up interest. But it's like, I mean, the government could use this money if you continue to pay back and you're like, I'll just help them out. Why yeah. would, like, no, if your money is better spent paying down other debts in the meantime while mm -hmm. that debt is being put on hold, of course you're going to take advantage of that. Or you're going to rack up debt like most of America did and then just be like, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah. I thought, that, I thought Biden said he was going to forgive this. Motherfucker, dude. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited to hear what he talks about Zimbabwe. Keep going. <laughs> this is when it went from four marks buying a dollar to a trillion marks buying one U.S. dollar. And by the way, just to kind of show you some data here, if you look at this chart here, this shows you from 1918 where it you know, took roughly 100 marks to buy a U.S. dollar. Look how quickly it goes five years later to a trillion marks, right? That chart tells an entire story. You ever wonder why Jamie Dimon, CEO of Chase, has a $900 million art collection or Steve Cohen? $1.1 billion art collection, or Microsoft has nearly a this billion ad, yeah, dollar yeah, yeah. collection. The ads? company, 5,000 art ad, yeah. pieces in 180 different locations I'm worldwide. An, I'm an art guy. Why? Because billionaires and millionaires understand one of the ways to hedge against inflation, money being printed, market crash, interest rates, is to buy non-duplicatable assets, and one of them is art, fine art. And that's why today's sponsor is Masterworks. There so it is. Tell you Come on. Bit. There it is. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was a long-winded prophecy. Yeah, yeah. Warhol or Banks. Guy, you can tell he's professional. And buy look at him. Masterworks Rocking that uh, minority owner Yankee shirt. Like, yeah. Buying a share of Apple, okay. you buy a share of a Banksy painting or a Warhol piece. You're able to do that through Masterworks. He's talking about fractionalized This is why 800,000 people have signed up with Masterworks. Offerings have sold out within minutes. And many of you have already created accounts, and some of you that haven't. This is your chance to skip the waiting list and start your collection today. Just click on the link in the wow. description. Okay, first... Masterworks.art forward slash value. Come on, take shots. This is a terrible fucking idea. Please do not do this, okay? <laughs> Please do not do this. The whole art is replicatable. Whole... First no. of all, art's, art's value fluctuates so fucking much yeah. depending on the value of, of assets in the economy. Yeah. And when the Fed's trying to drop assets, they mean all assets. They mean stock market. The housing market and the fucking art market is an asset, it, too. It's definitely an asset, And this too. is one of the first things that pulls back. And I don't know. Um, I, I like street art more than more than anything, okay? So for me, I don't I don't even begin to... I can't even begin to understand, like, fine art, first of all, right? But buying fractional pieces, like, of ownership... That's a terrible fucking idea. Don't do that. Sorry, Patrick. No. <laughs> not gonna happen yeah, on this show. Yeah, n absolutely fucking not, yeah. Jesus Christ, peace. You're better than this. Art forward slash value or click on a link below. Next, we have Zimbabwe. In 2015, yes. Zimbabwe's $100 trillion note was worth only 40 U.S. cents. In the early 2000s, Zimbabwe government attempted a land redistribution effort, which disrupted the farming industry, causing an agricultural production collapse. After monthly inflation peaked by one measure at 79.6 billion percent, the government in 2009 abolished their dollar and began using U.S. dollar instead. The currency switch brought monetary stability for a few years until the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe could no longer meet the demand for U.S. dollar. Money stored in the bank accounts could no longer be withdrawn in cash, and in early 2019, the central bank reintroduced the Zimbabwe dollar, changing U.S. dollar-denominated savings and domestic government debts into a local currency of rapidly declining value. You want to know what this did to the stock market? Take a look at this. This is Zimbabwe's stock market. Notice everything is flat, smooth, everything's good. Maybe a slight pickup there, and all of a sudden, boom! 
boom, stock market skyrockets to 517,412. Now, that, that's the stock market, but what caused this? Take a look at the inflation rate. If we look at this chart here, upwards of 800%. And if you go to their interest rates, look what their interest rates went up to. 200%. Can you imagine buying a house on 200% interest rate? That's what happened to the Zimbabwe. Now, some people will say that'll never happen to the U.S. It's just never going to happen because those were not real interest rates. And now, you may be saying, Pat, I mean, I, I know how you're doing this with the inflation rate and the interest rate, but that's not the real interest rate. Well, if you want to look at the real interest, here's what you'd be looking at. Even if you look at this, look what the real interest rate was in 2022. Minus 30%. What do you do with minus 30%? Do they pay you? Like if 10% I'm paying, are you paying me now when it's minus 30%? Imagine how much of a shit show it was in Zimbabwe. Uh, and by the way, if you want to calculate that in U.S., the real interest rate would be if inflation is 5% and interest rates are 3 the real interest rate is the difference between the 5 and the 3 making it 2 Here, it's 30% minus 30% in Zimbabwe. So that's Zimbabwe. Now let's... Okay, yeah. Like, what the <clears throat> fuck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of fear-mongering going on here. There's a, a lot of fear-mongering. So, yeah, look... I do think there is a threat to U.S. currency, and there's a whole separate episode that we should probably talk about, about foreign countries like Russia and China and people getting together to go off the dollar standard. The BRICS. Yeah, the BRICS. Uh, and that's very concerning to me. I think that's more of a threat than this. You'll notice the commonality with both of these so far has been the redistribution of land and the printing of money mm. in, a, in a massive cadence. There isn't an event that I can think of coming up in our future that would require us to print so much money, but we do have significant issues. We've got a government that's approving spending at a wild cadence. You've got yeah. our national debt skyrocketing, and, and the, the Fed funds increases has not helped that. Which we had a listener actually reach out to us and want us to cover, so we'll make sure we'll cover that on, on a future episode. With a deficit? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's an interesting thing, especially given the 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 approved spending that just came out of congress not too long ago mm -hmm. uh it's an interesting position but yeah there's there's no God. look there's real there's real concern there because i think we mentioned it on uh, last week's episode with you know the fed funds rate being what it is government's interest payments are at an all-time high okay and they're gonna need to apply some pressure to Jerome Powell and his FOMC members and Neil Kashkari. That's already happened. And the homies. It's already happened. It's already happened. Right? You know, you know what happened. He was he was questioned and he's like, Look, look, we don't care what's going on with politics. Like, yeah, yeah I'm sure you don't. Okay. Yeah. Biden called you in and said, Listen, bitch, I'm running for president. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You are fucking up my vibe. Yeah. And he had a couple of Secret Service members standing right behind him too. Yeah. Like, it's like, Do you like your job, Jerome? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Do you like going home for Thanksgiving dinners? Let me tell you what could happen, okay? <laughs> If you mess with me, we will find something on your hard drive that you don't want us to find. Yeah, very easily. And it will make national news. And you and Jared Fogle from Subway can talk about it in your cell. Okay? <laughs> God damn. So let's just go ahead and uh, let's talk about cutting rates. Yeah. And look, and if they don't cut rates, so those interest payments on those debts are going to be somewhere close around $1.7 trillion. A lot of social programs are going to have to go out the window if that happens. Social programs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. And then they're already fucking wildly low as it is, which is incredible. 100%. And all that aid that's going over to countries like Ukraine, going over to countries like Israel, like that's that's got to go out the window too if we're not able to service our own debts. So forget about it. I just had a stunning revelation. We have way better presentation than Patrick Bet David does. What do you mean? These are just glorified PowerPoint slides with his logo like slapping you right in the face. Like, I look, it's I get very, it's got a Wall Street Journal feel to it, though. I I guess that's what he's going for. But I mean, where's the sex appeal, baby? 
I mean, he's rocking the polo. He's, he's got the guns out. I feel like yeah. I got guns out too. No, he's, he, Where? He, he didn't. <laughs> now he speaks. <laughs> now he speaks. He did laser hair his arms though. No, he needs to. No, he doesn't. Yeah, I'll send him. A, I'll send him a package. <laughs> you got him. Yeah, yeah, I'll send him like some home wax or something like that. Oh, Nair. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Patrick, come on the show. But I'm gonna need to use this first. <laughs> I like gonna lie. I'm gonna be honest, 100 percent honest. I I neared back in the day when I was in high school. Ooh. God damn! Not only did that shit burn if you left it on too long, like ingrown hair. All oh, it was the worst. Yeah, you should not do that. It was a terrible idea. Don't do it if they're still selling it. But if you want to sponsor the show, I mean, we can talk about it. I'll near my arms. <laughs> I will pay for your laser hair removal. No. You got to start with your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear about Argentina, baby. Let's go. I think who, who's also in bricks now. Argentina. Hit me with it, man. Take a look at Argentina. Here's Argentina for you. 70 years of welfare policies. A third of the workforce is employed by the state. Most spending goes towards salaries and pensions instead of investments, technology and infrastructure, fiscal deficit for the last 13 years, constant printing and borrowing, biggest IMF borrow, a third of IMF debt. As of 2023, there were price caps on over 1,300 consumer products. And what does this do when you take free market out? Take a look at their stock market, what it did yeah. from 2020. Look at that chart right there. It went from roughly 20,000 to what? Nearly 640,000. That's what you call a explosive reverse market crash. And what were their rates? Similar situation you're looking at here as Zimbabwe, not as bad. So I'm going to show you this again. If you look at this chart with Argentina's real interest rates, notice this. They're also in the negatives, right? And if you look at the bottom, the difference between interest rates and inflation, you typically want interest rates to be ahead of inflation. Notice what happens in 2022 when inflation, they bring the interest rates down, hoping to fix the economy. What happens to inflation gets ahead of it. And now they're chasing after inflation to not lose it. The reason why we're showing you this because... In so, Chris, maybe we can help explain why he said... You typically want interest rates to be ahead of inflation. Why is that? I don't know, Saeed. You tell me. From what I gather from everything that we've read is you, in order to bring down inflation at a faster cadence, it needs to be more restrictive, right? So if the interest rates are higher, it's going to push down inflation faster, especially during a time like this. That's why over the last several months, you've started to see it really start to tick down month over month over month quicker than it did the first the first portion uh yeah uh, traditionally speaking that's probably right i would say the influences on interest rates if you follow kind of the daisy chain of logic and how this goes down right 10 year mm -hmm. right then you have interest rates that typically move with 10 year not necessarily with the fed funds rates uh so you typically have loan rates that are higher than inflation but it's not necessarily the only thing that, that, that's restrictive. It's just one of those things that's a good, healthy economic indicator. Mm -hmm. So I would say you had inflation at 9.1%. Where was interest rates? It was super, super low. Right, but because they were working their way up, right? You right. can't just spike it up to 10%. So now you got interest rates that are, call it like six high sixes, low sevens in the mortgage market now. Yes. And you got inflation that's at 3.1%. Mm -hmm. But you're still pushing it down. Right. Yet, you've got this Fed, uh, you've got this 10-year Treasury drop in the last recent weeks, went from over 5% down to just below 4%, right? Mm -hmm. And you've had mortgage rates drop pretty dramatically. Does that mean that inflation will come back up? No. Mm -hmm. Right. That's it doesn't. A, it's something that they're monitoring. I know that the 10-year really gets impacted by, you know, the latest inflation data, 
what the Fed does with their Fed funds rate and overall consumer sentiment and expectation, right? right. Because expectation influences behavior and behavior impacts ultimately demand and what happens with, with inflation, right? So if, if the belief is that the expectation that 10 years down the road from now will be in a much better place, then maybe that 10-year that treasury figure starts to come down. So I don't really understand the mechanisms of the bond market well enough to explain why there's that relationship between interest rates and inflation. I can only say that I think what he's trying to characterize and not saying it is in a normalized, healthy economy, your interest rates are always going to be higher than inflation. Mm-hmm. That's just a healthy thing to see. Right. And because remember, when the 10 years started to come down, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. it came down how many basis points? Like 50 basis points, 70 basis points, I think it was, like in, a, in a week span. Yeah, it's about 70. It was a, right, which is a huge drop for a one week for the 10-year, right? And that was off no reaction by the Fed. Nothing had happened. The Fed didn't do anything. Yep. But it was consumer expectations that really changed. And when you start to see that, people start to really price in those rate cuts for 2024. Behavioral economics, man, playing out at its best. Gang, gang. Gang. America, if Powell all of a sudden gets pressure from the top to say lower interest rates, inflation could go back up again quickly. So managing this and how they could lose control over it, it's going to be a lot of pressure on Powell to not be tempted to want to please an administration and hold it together. Now, we'll see what we're going to do. If he lets loose, you're talking about reverse market crash we'll experience in the U.S. Now, let's take a look at Turkey. Okay, they got the number one military in the Middle East. If you look at Turkey. So I don't know that. Powell's going to have a choice about letting loose. This is a man whose rhetoric was higher for longer for a long period of time. And now miraculously mentions three cuts in the last meeting, which is a pretty big contrast from where he was before. And he's got a tramp stamp of Volcker on his back. For sure he does. 100%. Yeah. He ain't letting letting loose. Volcker did not come off as the kind of guy that let loose. Yeah, it's not his thing. But that being said, despite his tramp stamp... (laughs) Jerome Powell has clearly pivoted in his rhetoric. Right. And I think that that in and of itself is not enough to drive inflation back up. But certainly the market rally that we're seeing as a response to that is. Now, do you blame Jerome Powell for just suggesting that there would be rate cuts next year? It's coming into view, Chris. (laughs) You just said the conversation of rate cuts is coming into view. Yeah, okay. That is not enough in my mind to say, shit jerome you fucked us you fucked it up he just said it's coming into view which honestly is a fair statement i get i get why you would say that right so there's one part about his speech that we didn't get into last on the last episode that i wish we would have okay so somebody asked him a question about if if is it fair to say we've avoided a recession okay and this is the comment this is like the the most used quote that came out of this yeah he's like i think there's little basis in the economy that we we're in a recession now I'm like, bruh, like, are you serious right now? Just because the this fake-ass jobs report that you've been getting and these GDP figures of 5.2%, right? You're like, come on, man, what's going on? So then he goes on to say, uh, there's always a probability that there will be one next year. It's always a real possibility. Now, here's the problem with this. You know what this is, right? They asked this man to give himself a self-assessment. Yeah, I know. Because this is his job, right? Yeah. He's not going to come out and be like, imagine if you're getting uh, your boss is coming to you or someone's asking you, hey, man, how'd you do last year for your job? You're like, man, I really fucked up. This is, honestly, we're in a recession. This is this is bad news. What's coming ahead is about to, re- no, he's not going to come out and say that, right? So 
This that's the problem. There's a number of other problems too. I I can just see him at home with like a recession elf on the shelf. <laughs> like he's in his season right now. Like this yeah. is this is his like you know this this is his spotlight. Yeah, how can he like enjoy this time of year given all this? Oh, I'm sure he's loving it. You think what? He's one of the most spoken about names right now. No, I don't. You think his ego's like that, huh? Jerome Powell. No, I feel like that's Neil. I think he looks stressed out about it, but he's going home having a margarita every night. Bro, there's like, he's like, yeah. it's funny. I love watching his like uh his mannerisms at these post-game press conferences. Mm. Like so he'll do he'll give his speech and he's really like stern and, he's, and he looks angry that you're asking him questions. Yeah, no, he's firm and he's like he gives yeah. his he gives his remarks, his prepared remarks, and then the questions comes and he's like he starts rocking back and forth. He's like, fuck, how am I gonna bullshit my way through this one? I would like him to just go ham. His last press conference before a Ray cut. Yeah. I'm going to give you a cut, but it's not because you deserve it, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's because Biden's pressuring me. Yeah. Or just sell out Biden. Yeah. Look, Biden made me do this. Area 51 exists. Y'all have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> or just throw Neil Kashgar into the bus. It's all Neil's yeah. fault. Yeah. Neil made me say it. Yeah. yeah. We had a bet. He won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Arun, let's, talk, let's hear about Turkey, where you can get a hair transplant and talk about the economy. Very common. Stock October inflation hit a 24-year high with 85.5% on an annualized basis, meaning prices nearly doubled. Erdogan started cutting rates while the U.S. was hiking in 2022 against the advice of several Turkish central bankers that he ended up firing. And what happens to the Turkish stock market? What do you think? Take a look at this. Same thing. It goes from 1,000 roughly to 7,700. That's 700% increase in just a couple of years. And what were their real interest rates? What do you think? Take a look at this. Also in the negatives. And if you look at their inflation, guess what you're looking at on this next chart? Same exact issue. Notice a trend. It's a similar thing happening. America and Jerome Powell's got to keep it together or else we can have similar things happening here. Let's continue Iran. Here's Iran for you. Look at their stock market. Same exact thing. 2018, 2019, 2020, slightly of a growth. And then 2020 to 2021, boom, skyrockets to 2 million. And then eventually to 2.5 million, their stock market. And if you look at Iran's inflation rate, what do you notice? Take a look at this. It's not as high as some of these other guys, but 40%, 60% interest rates, upwards of 22%. And then here, real interest rates in Iran, guess where it's at? It fell down to negative as well, and they've been trying to control it ever since. Similar issues. And last case study here is Venezuela. Venezuela's high inflation levels are due to relying heavily on imports for basic goods, depending on oil as its main export, inefficient government industries, governmental corruption, price controls, government subsidies, and most of all, sanctions. May 18, 2006, President Hugo Chavez from Venezuela declared on Tuesday that Venezuela would consider putting the sale of its oil in euros. In 2017, Trump aggressively tightening sanctions with the aim of ousting Maduro in favor of an interim opposition government led by Juan Guido. The Trump administration cut off by Maduro's regime's access to the U.S. financial system, barred U.S. companies and citizens from purchasing Venezuelan debt, and blocked PDVSA from exporting to the United States its primary destination. By the end of his term, Trump had issued seven executive orders targeting state or affiliated companies, government agencies, and the central bank. Venezuela's hyperinflation rate increased from 9,000 plus percent to 10 million percent from 2018 to 2019, according to the IMF. And by the way, if you take a look at this chart from Venezuela's inflation rate from 85 to 2024, look what happens after Trump did that to Venezuela in 2017. It skyrockets all the way up to what? 65,374% inflation. Look what happens to their stock market, the most bipolar stock market you can think about, where it goes from a couple thousand to 62,000 
causing a reverse market crash. So take a look at this next chart of OPEC crude oil. What happened in Venezuela? Their export kept going lower and lower and lower because that's what sanctions do. And again, with their interest rates skyrocketing all the way up to 50, 40, 60 percent. And they also had negative interest rates all the way down to 20%. Now, to, to give some hope to Venezuela, take a look at this year, 2014, 15, 16, 17, everything has declined just barely. They came back up in 21 and 22 because President Biden is willing to release the sanctions so they can start selling oil again if Maduro is willing to have free and fair elections. That means we have to trust he's going to do it. Whether he will or not, we won't know, but he said he will. Now, you may be saying, Pat, this is great, all these examples you're giving. We're not Zimbabwe. We're not Turkey. We're not Iron. We're not Venezuela. Are you exactly out of your mind? That'll yeah. never happen to us in the U.S. Okay, let me show you a couple things here. Take a look. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? But if you look at our inflation rate from 2000 till today, notice what happened in 2021, 22 skyrockets, right? Look at the rates on the next page. Our real interest rates, if you look at that, we went into negative. All right, let's pause here. Look, so while I can acknowledge that he's comparing extreme examples of similar trends, what I would say is, is without a catalyst to move us farther higher up in the inflation category right. and to pivot rates significantly, I there will be an increase in the stock market of that, I'm sure. Yeah. Will it be this self-described reverse market crash? No, not without another catalyst. Now, here's my opinion on it is, look, you can't have 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation. You can't have one of the most prosperous times in economic history and not expect there to be an equal and powerful swing back the other way. That's 400 plus years of economic evolution you just cannot ignore. Right. So for us to think that you're going to get out of this, the market's going to go up and all is going to be gumdrops and lollipops is delusional. Delulu. <laughs> okay. It's going to have to correct at some point in time. And I know that all the naysayers will be like, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. What's going to, what's going to start it off? Nobody knows. And if it doesn't happen, then on some level, he's right. Mm -hmm. You're going to wind up with a wealthier, wealthy class. You're going to wind up with a working class and a shrinking and possibly non-existent middle class. Right. And now I guess the, the concern is, was the Fed aiming for some of that to happen, right? They needed unemployment to go up by now to experience something like home values to come down a little bit, right? But that hasn't happened just yet. Also, one catalyst that could still happen that's around the corner is uh, the commercial real estate, right? What's going on? What's going on there? That yeah. remains that remains to be seen. It right? does, and and the, the issues with the underlying portfolios of assets for all lenders across the country still there. Uh -huh. We haven't solved for that. And you uh, have ho uh, household debt. Yet the bank stocks have rallied back in a lot of ways, and the market is significantly healthier than it once was. Just in you know nine months ago this year, right? So look, I'll, I'll tell you that. Whatever the catalyst is, the, the Lehman Brothers, if you will, of this recessionary economy, we haven't seen it yet. We, we've seen some scares along the way. Bank mm -hmm. contagion period, Silicon Valley Bank, First Republic Bank. We all thought the same thing. Oh, that, this could be it. This could be it. Right. But when you think about the context of what drove those things, it was behavioral economics. People were pulling money out because they were afraid. Right. Well, in the case of Lehman Brothers and the runs of the banks that were happening then, they were pulling money out because they had a reason to be afraid. Mm -hmm. These fucking banks were had real financial trouble. Right, and if and if you remember what we just cited not too long ago, earlier in this episode, was a lot of those stimulus packages that went to these corporations and they held on to this extra cash 
what have they been doing over the course of the last years? Been paying down their corporate debts. Mm -hmm. So the the very things that could have you know caused them real concern, which probably is the reason why they haven't had to have you know much more layoffs than what we've already seen. You know that's what's been keeping everybody afloat. And here, here's what I'll echo. A lot of people, I have this conversation. I benefit personally from a business perspective. I benefit more than most if real estate values go up. I own a lot of real estate, mm-hmm. right? I, I do. And if interest rates go up and deposit rates go down, I, I, I make more money. Yeah. That should be in my best interest to want to happen. And probably limits the playing field for you, like, even moving forward. It does. And it means that I can buy more real estate, you know, with lower interest rates. I'll be paying a little more for it, but it'll give me an opportunity to buy in a market other people can't buy. But the reality that I'm, I'm facing from just a personal human perspective is I know this is not healthy. I know the other ramifications of all those things happening are really fucked up society. No checks, no balances, no no healthy working class below you that has a potential to get out. It, it's and then then what? Then it's a spiral. I know because remember a lot of our economy. What what's it based off of? It's based off of like the middle class being tied to this American dream of wanting to own a home, mm-hmm. right? Which which requires them to be out in the you know working class, which promotes them to go out and seek higher paying jobs and. That pushes them, and they're locked into paying this debt over the next thirty years, right? Yep. And now, if they're no longer, if they no longer have to do that, and they're not, they don't. I'm not buying into this. I'll just maybe they pivot into you know the stock market, and uh, there's an entirely new American dream that gets developed. What happens to that economy? I don't know. Right, that remains to be seen because we've never faced anything like that. Let's see what Patrick has to say, shall we? Be okay now. 2020 goes into negative. 2013, we flirt with negative. And if you look at our effective rate uh, at the southern chart, you'll also notice where we went there. We were also flirting with zero, zero, zero for God knows how long. And take a look at S&P 500. Look at this here, SPX. What do you notice? And roughly in 2009, SPX was at 700. Where is it at now? Roughly 4,300. It's 6x that quickly. You mean to tell me that can go 6x like this? That's what the chart is telling me. In America, for it to happen, what are the criteria? What do we notice here? Number one, in every one of these countries, we have quantitative easing, which is what? Printing money. We did a lot of that in the U.S. Number two is when the government chooses to get involved with free market and they want to kind of create regulation and all these rules. We got a little bit of that going on. What's number three? Price controls. You got to put the price of oil at these. Some people want to flirt with it. Newsom wanted to flirt with it. Biden wanted to flirt with it. Those are the areas when you hear languages okay. like so he loosely quoted Milton Friedman's free market theory. And I tend to agree with that. The least amount of government intervention, the better. Now, a lot of people in the divided political environment on social media and in these college campuses really get upset with that. Chris, you've got no sympathy for the middle class or people that are hurting. I do. I've got a tremendous amount of it. But if you have government intervention, he's right. Generally speaking, the best possible way forward in a free market economy is the least amount of government intervention, meaning no price restrictions, meaning no weird-ass policies in place, because a free market economy will equalize and stabilize based on what people can afford to buy, Mm. what's really valuable to them, right? and what currency is in the market. If you flood the market with currency, this happens. Now, what I will say he's overlooking is all of those samples he get from Zimbabwe to Iran to Turkey, Argentina, Venezuela, all those examples that he gave they responded to the quantitative easing with the impacts that he's seeing. 
Mm-hmm. We are now already in a quantitative tightening period, and we have gone to past the point where we would have responded that way. Yeah. Did we have an increase? Yes, we did. Is it going to keep going up? Well, if we are following the quantitative tightening path and pulling liquidity out of the market, right? and the Fed's policy stays sufficiently restrictive for sufficiently long, which is a question that remains to be seen, then in theory, this should not happen to the, de- the degree that he's citing other examples. Will the, mar- will the market peak? I think it will. I think it will continue to go up. But I would point out, like we pointed out on previous shows, a couple things to think about. Number one, 2001, uh, 2007, 2020, the market peaked prior to all three of those recessions. That is not an uncommon occurrence. Yes. Number two, unemployment typically peaks after the end of a declared recession. So to say that it hasn't peaked now or gone to its highest point now, right? that's not a surprising thing. Right. For reference, it, it hit 10% in 2010. Yeah. So I would say we've passed the point of his level of extremism now. And maybe he didn't know that a month ago. I think you, you probably could have seen it if you would have had some more foresight. But this is a sens- selling sensationalism on YouTube. So I give him that. He's clearly got more views than we're going to get on this video. <laughs> we have problems coming up here now. Why will it not happen in the States? That's a fair question. So again, the three is what? Quantitative easing, which is printing. You got getting involved in the free market and price controls. But outside of that, who's typically screwing this thing? Like, who's going to ruin this great idea called America? Politicians. By what? More welfare spending, more money printing. Couple things that may come up is if this idea of reparations becomes something that they want to do, and then you and I got to pay for it, and we've never been a part of it. I'm from Iran. My family to be involved with this, but we got to pay for it because this is what America wants to do. Or UBI. There's just a lot of things going on. And by the way, the other threat is the following: U.S. dollar. We know it's strong. We, you know, we already talked about the 80% and the 60% currency worldwide using. But what if all of a sudden these guys that are having these meetings, right? The the World Economic Forum, where all mm. these other meetings that we're having, these summits that they're getting to together let's create a cbdc that the whole world uses everybody around the world uses the same exact you know central bank digital currency that we use no longer the u.s dollar you know what happens to us we lose a leverage that's not a good thing we want to keep and maintain that leverage as we have the money that allows us to keep us safe because people rely on the dollar trust me a big part of our economy staying strong is the reason why america is a pretty safe place to be at as well we give that up we give up leverage then you're helping the enemy and uh, other countries that we do not want to do that but if we stay put we monitor and hold our politicians accountable and presidents that want to keep printing money and we scream off the top of our lungs like slow it down we want accountability we want to see what kind of money first of all we haven't always had that leverage and we've talked about it before no and you don't now it's okay this this is going to piss a lot of people off uh we can we can be done with him now he's going to wrap up after this anyway but look the the fallacy that your vote really matters is insulting okay just look at the president you vote, you go to a voting booth, you vote. Mm. I'm sorry to say this, the electoral college, the politicians that you vote in, yeah. their vote matters a whole fucking hell of a lot more than yours does. Mm-hmm. And I know that's anti-American, it's all sorts of messed up, and it makes people feel not so warm and fuzzy. But that's reality, okay? Look at the last election. Look at the election before that. Mm-hmm. The electoral college decides that. Your votes mean very little, mm. number one. Number two... Yeah, politicians are going to spend money. They are. You vote those politicians into office, people. You need to pay a lot more attention to those small senators and and people along the way that get voted into office than you do the president. Yeah, exactly. And that means a lot of people got to be a lot more engaged with the local politics than they otherwise would be in order to really change the paradigm. And that's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, especially to impact what's going on in your local 
communities. Look, we already know that right now the revenue that the U.S. is generating off of the tax, off taxes, is around $4 trillion, and they're spending $6 trillion every year. It's math. Math. They're going to keep printing money. They have to. They got to they gotta keep up with these spending habits, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not going away. This is going to be a continuing problem. They've raised the debt ceiling how many times? 80? 79? 80 times? 80 times. Yeah. 80 times? So, look, it's going to happen in 81st time and in 82nd until it becomes a problem where you can no longer fix. At some point in time, we will meet that inflection point, right? When that happens, I don't know, right? Um, because like, like Patrick Bay David said, yes, right now we do have the benefit of being the world currency, right? But he didn't talk about BRICS. I mean, there, there are countries that are plotting to change that. Yeah. There's a lot of countries. It's more than just the, those initial countries now. It's like up to, it's it's a lot higher. It's more There's than doubled. There's a lot more, of people who have It's more yeah. doubled, yeah. More than doubled. And that's, that's the other problem, too, that I think we, we lose sight of. We think the United States is innocent. The United States pulls some pretty fucked up strings, too. That we don't know about. Oh, yeah. It, oh, yeah. You can, you can go to any other country that we've been in a war with and see the other side of the story. Yeah, that's, what, that's one thing that I remember. I think I heard Jocko talk yeah, about this. Jocko Willick, yeah. He, he always talks about it. He's like, everyone always preaches about how much they love their freedom. But it's like, none of you guys know the cost of that freedom. Oh, yeah. There's tremendous cost. I mean, if you look at the disinformation that went into the uh, the war in Iraq, mm. the wars in Afghanistan, and some of the things that had happened, there's a tremendous amount of disinformation. Now, I'm not saying the U.S. didn't do their thing mm-hmm. and didn't have a reason to do it. But I'll say some of the things that we think are normal and, you know, just, hey, this happened. Yes. And the problem is you got an entire generation that, that's grown up without seeing a real war and understanding it. Yeah. You get a one-sided, lopsided view. That's why, I'll, and I, again, Arun, try to refrain. That's why I see a lot of this information about what's going on in Israel and Palestine. And I think to myself, who the fuck's recording this video? Mm. Who's reporting on this shit? And how do I know that I can trust you? Because the media is weaponized just like any other source of information. And now, because social media is so prevalent versus traditional media, social media is being weaponized. Right. There's a lot of pictures that are very poignant and out there. And I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, wait a minute. You have a gun pointed at a kid. And somebody thought it'd be a better idea to take a photo of it and then well, stop it. I'm not. We're not going to suggest that that's that stuff isn't happening or it's not real. No, but I'm saying yeah. I question everything now because I know there is a very palpable and real layer of disinformation out well, there, and you don't know the sources for some of this stuff. Yeah, well, I look at I look at that type of information that we get now, and I view it as well. This is exactly what Jocko was talking about. It's like if you knew the cost of what it took to hand you your freedom. Yeah. Like. Then you 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 wouldn't want to know, right? Because unfortunately, this has always been part of the game. Except now we live in a day and age where there's that twenty four hour media cycle, where there's social media, and now things can get shared, mm-hmm. and now things are becoming a lot more eye opening. To where you're like, wait a minute, this is the f- what the fuck he's talking about? Like, in order for us to live our lives, we're not supposed to know about this, right? Yeah, that, that's the trade off. At least that's the the government's view. Oh, but I go, I go far into this stuff and it's like, okay, if you're in the government, right. And you're a politician and you do know these things, and let's mm-hmm. just do something that's off the war path. Let's say, you know, aliens exist, mm. but you want to keep the general population comfortable with the fact that look, maybe we didn't come up with Velcro. Maybe we got that from aliens. Maybe we didn't come up with fiber optic cable. Maybe we got that from aliens. Or maybe we are descended from aliens or we're like the Prometheus theory. Like we're a project of an alien race. Yeah. Maybe they know that. But maybe 
they feel like it's best for the general population to not know that because they don't know that they can handle it. Mm -hmm. How powerful do you feel that you control that now? Yeah, exactly. How magnanimous do you feel and above everybody do you feel? So then you say, like, well, why does this politician worth hundreds of millions of dollars? Because they feel like they're better than you, bro. 100%, yeah. I mean, think about it. We're not, to your point, too, to piggyback off of it, we're not that far removed from, you know, caveman days. It's not, it's not that long ago, okay? And it's still built in your DNA. And if you think about it, we, you know, society has grown up to only supposed to care about the people within your radius, within a certain amount of miles away from you. Mm-hmm. But now you're so, you're attached to people across the world. And I'm supposed to equally care about this and equally care about that so much so yeah. that you can't, you can't, there's not enough of you to care. It desensitizes you. Yeah. Right? And it's you just wanna, almost you wanna, like. You want a great example I, of that? Not, you almost feel dead inside. The Russia-Ukraine war. Mm. Just fucking disappeared overnight. Ah, oh, man. Disappeared. Nobody talks about it. Nobody, Russia was talking about declaring victory in Ukraine. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't know if we keep talking. I'm getting choked up thinking about this. Okay. Well, I don't yeah. want to get you choked up. Yeah. And by the way, for the record, some of us are closer to Cayman than others, Fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been enhanced. <laughs> both chemically and aesthetically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a better human today. Oh, dude. Kudos to you, my friend, for refraining. You've been oddly quiet back there. It's very uncomfortable. You told him to us. shut up, bro. That's so you No, I, just about certain... Dude, I, I know how much he cares about these topics. And sometimes... Rightfully so. He he speaks from the I don't give a fuck place. <laughs> oh, okay. You like, know that. The, oh, like he'll, he'll just tell it how he sees it? Yeah. yeah. Which, I, you know, I respect. Oh, do you got anything? I've just been eating back here. <laughs> Have you really? <laughs> Good luck <laughs> editing, Chris. Have you been eating? <laughs> Mess, messing been eating? with your audio. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the last episode where he wasn't on it, yeah. I was like, drag, drop, boom, done. <laughs> Mixed and mastered, baby. <laughs> I'd have to hear about all of his throat clearing. Yeah. Which you've not done a whole it's it's interesting. Your throat clearing seems to be very psychological. So is yours, bro. Don't don't do that. No, mine mine's No, like no. It. Everyone's told you it's been psychological. Don't do this. I went and saw a hypnotist. Didn't work. How are you able- <laughs> really? Yeah. How are you able to shut it down for that for the podcast? It's always better at nights. Oh. It's always better. Nice, yeah. Bro, you're walking into the studio. We're inside setting up. We hear. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I know. I. It's always better at nights. If I'm at home, it's the same thing. By the time I get in the house and like at nights, it's better. So you're nocturnal, uh, dude. If I was nocturnal, I'd be fucking amazing. <laughs> if life just catered to me that way, it'd be perfect. <laughs> For some reason, every day between like three thirty ish and six thirty gets really bad. So you're Batman. <laughs> I am Batman. Yeah, yeah. Remember when he used to do the Bane voice? Oh yeah, he still does. What do you mean used to? No oh, man, there was like three, four years where he just kept doing it. Three, four years. Yeah. Allow wow. me to liberate you. Hey, don't do that. Don't don't drag me back into that. Because I want to do it. I want to do it so poorly that you have to correct me. I got a fun fact for you boys. Okay. Fun fact. Fun fact for you boys. All right, let's go. In the in the late nineties, they were gonna make a Beetlejuice two movie. Oh. And everybody was signed back on to do it. Okay. And uh, went on a rider. Everybody was in. Okay. Right? And then the premise of this movie was the Dietz, the family, and Beetlejuice in Hawaii. Because it was so funny that it was complete opposite of them. Got it. Right? The movie never got made because uh, I think uh, both uh, the Tim Burton, the director, and... Um, Damn it, what's the uh, actor's name? They were both focused on Batman in, oh, okay. in the late 90s. Batman Forever, Batman whatever, Returns, or something like that. 
Michael Keaton, thank you very much. Mm. And then um, they were going to make it again. It didn't happen. And now 27 years later, next year, Beetlejuice 2 is coming out. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. Same same cast. No way. Everybody came back, even the director. And the Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder agreeing to come back. They all three agreed they would only come back if the other two came with them. Oh, so wow. Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, and Winona Ryder all coming back. For this is the inside scoop? No, no, I, I I read it on the interwebs today mm. when I should have been doing research for the show, and I was like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> but I'm excited to see it, man. There's, there's so many few few movies that I'm actually excited to see. I saw uh, Killers of the, of the Flower Moon yeah. over the weekend, and it was a Martin Scorsese film. I completely lost. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's really? a Leo movie, right? Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, and Robert De Niro. Oh, okay. His new, yeah, the new directed one. by Martin Scorsese. Wow, yeah. that's got to be good. Martin Scorsese is uh, known uh, Goodfellas Casino, mm -hmm. right? He's known for like these like fall off a fucking cliff endings. Yes, Departed. The Departed was the, the big Departed, one. That I the did. Irishman. Yeah, yeah. So um, he picked up this movie shortly after he picked it up. It was 2015. His rights were picked up. He put out the Irishman in 2019, and then 2020 is when he started to kind of push for production of this movie. And then uh, I don't like the way that it ended. I mean, it bothered me greatly. A lot of people are like that with his movies. It's right? a three-hour movie, though. If you're gonna fuck me into a three-hour movie, Martin, okay, <laughs> you give me some fucking satisfaction at the end of it. All right. But was it more realistic? Uh, well, it, was, it took place in Oklahoma. Okay, so um, there's that connection there. Yeah. Well, and. So the town that it took place in, or sorry, the Indian territory that it took place in is probably like 30 minutes west of where I was born. No kidding. Yeah. They actually, they actually filmed it there, huh? They filmed it there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, so uh, Cherokee, uh, Choctaw, kind of in the, in the area where I was at, and the other tribe, which they're talking about, um, uh, it's um, Osage, Osage territory, Osage okay. Indians, yeah. So you recommend it or don't recommend it? No, nah, it's a good movie if you don't know the area. If you don't know the area, it's it's a great movie. I, I kind of grew up around some yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's not for you. There's always Grey's Anatomy on Netflix for the No, listeners. don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Did you finish season five? No, I'm, I'm like halfway. Bro, there's 20 seasons. Uh, my wife Still going, too. Still go My wife has- Is it still going? She, I think My so. wife has told me, she said, look, I'm prom we're not watching the whole thing. I just want you to get to a certain point, and then we'll stop. I'm like, what, the kind, what kind of shit is this? What's, what's the certain point? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't even know how many seasons deep that is. You know what the certain point is? The end. <laughs> There's no end. <laughs> you're never gonna you're never gonna get away from this. Yeah. Have you watched Loki yet? No, I need to. I fucking told you like five We're times. To. We're going to. This is literally show work for she you. She likes Marvel too, so I can I can get her to sign off on that. Jonathan Majors lost his shit today. Really? Found guilty. Oh yeah. That's Marvel right. dropped I'll, his ass immediately. Wait, for sexual assault, but not on the other two charges. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Marvel sexual had the press assault. release ready to go. Yeah. Like, if he's found guilty, send this out. The mouse said, nope. Yeah, came out on social media. Boom. See ya. See my, that's my Patrick Bad David impression. Like <laughs> a hand and, and sounds. Dude, yeah, he was out yeah. instantaneously. I was like, oh, wow, he found guilty. And then, beep, beep. Oh, shit. He's, he lost that contract. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got one review to get into. Oh, we did? Yeah, we did. I did not know that. Yeah, I sent it to you. Oh, it was the, it was the uh, unusual one. Yeah, the unusual one. Yeah, I respect it, though. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, Odin pulled it up here, too. All right. Uh, let's see. This is from Evan Klein. Excellent show. Five stars. Thank you, Evan. Start off at the gate. Yeah, obviously, honest person. Yeah. But uh, your review left me a little confused. So yeah. if you could leave another five-star review from a separate account <laughs> to clarify 
It would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> so here, let's explain it. Please talk about the $33 trillion in debt. I feel like we kind of touched on that a little bit today. Touched on that's why I did it for I did it for Evan. Oh. I made sure I, I brought it in, but we that's can go so thoughtful of you. Yeah, we can go in for a, a deeper dive. Um, but enjoy your show. Also, listen to the Compound and Friends, a wealth management podcast. Josh Brown, who was on CNBC. I mean, are we plugging? I don't know any of those shows. They that, did, must they, not be the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Did Evan try to plug? He knew we were going to read this. He did. Yeah, I feel like Evan is Josh Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. So I do listen to Mind Pump. He forgot to write it three times. Mind Pump, Mind Pump, Mind Pump. My name is Evan Klein, a just recently retired registered nurse. I live in Georgia. We love Oh, you. Well, shit. Say no more. My mom is a recently retired uh, registered nurse who lives in Oklahoma. And your wife is also a registered nurse. My wife's nurse. a registered nurse. Yeah, I got a lot of nurses in my family. So, yeah, shout out to you. We appreciate all the work you do. As a lot of registered nurses on Grey's Anatomy. God damn it. <laughs> Got to tie it, baby. No, don't do that. <laughs> That's what I had to. Evan's so mad at you now. Yeah, no, Evan likes Grace. I just had a light bulb moment. Son of a bitch. Mm. I got the most brilliant guerrilla marketing idea ever, and it's free. Oh, then let's do it. Are we going to let people know about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, look, here's what we're going to do. And if you're listening to the show, and you're this far, you're a true fan, okay? And we want you to stick around, and we want you to help. This, this is, this. I've, I'm brilliant. <laughs> oh, God, you better, you're really hyping this up, bro. Okay, Arun? Yes. You, me, and Saeed, and all you listeners out there, this is what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to go to other people's podcasts and plug our podcast in the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Love the show. Big fan of the Higher Standard Podcast. Yes. Very similar. But we're going to start off with, like, Joe Rogan. <laughs> and we're just going to go to other people's podcasts. Well, He's got, like, hundreds and thousands of reviews. Can't do that. Doesn't that matter. Gets, that gets yeah. That gets uh, I don't know. Doesn't matter, bro. We're gonna plug our show on everybody else's show. I like that. I'm doing that. <laughs> this is not sarcasm. Wow, I'm why you're this, laughing, bro. This show is almost as good as the Higher Standard Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Love this show. What it, it's all in, all out. I can't. I don't know whatever the name is. Great show. Yeah. Second show to the Higher Standard Podcast. Yeah. Chamath must be listening to the Higher Standard Podcast. Yeah. I mean, they're brownish. Right. Go to go to Les Friedman. You know, he, he really I, conducts his interviews like those guys on the Higher Standard Podcast. I listen to his, so I've never listened to Lex Friedman. What? I never listened. I find I find his him very intriguing. It's a weird, it's not at all what I thought. Why? He's got a weird vibe when it starts. It's yeah. not like casual. No, he 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 himself, I don't know, is uh it it comes off as socially awkward at first. As fuck. Yeah, but it's it's very endearing. I don't, it's something about it is endearing. Oh, it's very that, innocent. That far. Maybe that's it's, what it he's, is. he's very innocent, and you can tell it's a very like innocent, honest approach to an interview. It was so bizarre to me. I was like, "Wow, this is this is very serious." Dude, you should listen to. I mean, just go and listen to the clips of him interviewing Kanye. Oh, like he interviewed Kanye. He handled it so well, man. When Kanye was starting to go off the rails, and he was just he he listened to it, let him let him speak, and he just would counter him every time respectfully. But like the the right, so the total opposite of some shit that I would do. The, yeah, the, you'd be, what the fuck you say, Kanye? <laughs> like, are you crazy? Yeah, you know you crazy, right, bitch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you cry, cry. Yeah, Rune, find a clinic for Kanye to go after the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is not an endorsement for Kanye. <laughs> yeah, we found a place locally for you that you should probably check into. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's called Paradise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, all right. You got anything on it? Nope. Christopher? I guess that means we'll never get Kanye on the show, doesn't it? 
We may. Or he'll come on and just argue. He'll love the he'll love. Hey, he might argue. Kanye, we were talking about good financial decisions, and we thought, <laughs> who, better, <laughs> who better to tell us? Yeah, walk us down this decision making. Like, yeah. what made you feel like this was a good idea? So when you told Gap to fuck off and dropped your net worth by about a billion. He thought, yeah, this is the way to get out of my contract. What were you thinking? Yeah, he's like, oh, Adidas wants to fuck me? Oh, I'll get out of my contract by saying yeah. some crazy shit. You know that whole anti-Semitism bullshit that you were that you were all into? Oh, did you see these? the new cover of his album has got a famous piece of art from a very, like, I understand. I think he was, like, Hitler's favorite artist or some shit. Like, there's still he's, Nazi he's, ties to he's, it. He's leaning in. He still has, fuck, man. You know, he, he understands that. People are always going to want to tune in to see how how crazy is the crazy. Yeah, but at some point, the best thing you can do to get people to be shocked is to not be crazy. Yeah, he'll reverse that course, and he's very much aware of that he feels reverse like reverse market crazy. Ah, there you see go. What it did that? That's what you did. Title of the show: Reverse Market Crazy. Yeah, I can't. Well, I can't call it that because nobody. It's not clickbait enough. You didn't say Patrick Bet David. Chris's take on Patrick Bet David. No, no, no. no. Patrick Bet David's uh, reverse crash. Reverse crash exposed. 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 That's everybody's using now. That's the new buzzword. Buzzword. Oh, I thought it's usually Chris reacts. Nobody cares about Chris. Chris reacts to PBD. Nobody cares about Chris, and PBD sounds a lot like peanut butter. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's his thing. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I'll use it in the. It's, it sounds like PB and D. Did you just lick your lip while you said that? You sick fuck. <laughs> I did not. It's so juvenile. PB and D. It's so, so juvenile. All right. All right. Well, uh, Arun, did you have a dick joke you want to make before the take us out, or are we going to end with that one? No, we're going to end with that one. All right. All right. Here we go. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Good. <laughs> Doodles.